What a beautiful worship and uh, joy just worshipping and in the presence of our God. It's so wonderful to uh, engage and encounter him always. Would you uh, join with me as we pray that the uh, Holy Spirit would fill me and fill us all. Uh, fill me to speak his word, but fill you to hear what he has to say to us tonight. Let's join our hearts together and just in prayer. Thank you for your presence, Father. Thank you, Lord, for being with us. We love you, Father, because you first loved us. Thank you for just being with us tonight, really. As I share from your word, you breathe your life into these passages, into our life. You, Lord God, cause us to hear your voice in such a way that it grips us and captures our heart and mind and spirit and transforms us to, to be all that you want us to be and become who you want us to be. So that Jesus would be honoured and loved and praised and worshipped and shared. We worship you, we adore you, we praise you. Holy, holy are you. Amen. Just for a title, um, when Ange called me on Wednesday, said that uh, the, uh, the boss of our uh, mission was supposed to speak, and so uh, he got COVID, and Ange said, would you, would you speak? And I said, sure. And so uh, I couldn't prepare till maybe uh, Thursday evening, and I got a passage, started working on it really hard at night, and then half of the day on Friday, 65%. And then Ange called me for something else. And we talked, and after talking with him, said, you know, maybe you can share on some passages about how God, you know, things that mean to you and how God used you and testimony or experience or whatever, you know, something from, you know, you don't have to do an expository sermon, just probably prefer something. I thought that, that really resonated, and so I... Put the other sermon aside. And uh, so tonight I want to share with you, well, let's title it The Life of a Disciple. And I'd like to share some passages from the Word of God that uh, have led me to follow Jesus and have taught me how to become a disciple of his. And uh, these passages have greatly impacted my life, uh, ministry and sharing of God's Word with others and, and how, how life happens. They've shaped and moulded me into who I am today. And I really pray that as I share these passages with you, that the Holy Spirit will make them real to you also, and, and that they would mould and shape you in making Christ Lord, following him as Lord, and serving him, and sharing him wherever you are. And so um, the first passage, probably one of the most important passages that changed my life, that turned me around to become a follower of Jesus, was a passage from Luke 13, 1 to 5. Now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with the, sacrifice, the sacrifices. Jesus answered, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? 
I tell you now, but unless you repent, you too will perish. Or those 18 who died when the Tower of Salaam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will perish. This really shook me and turned me around to surrender my life to Jesus Christ and follow him like no other. It happened when a friend of mine from the school days, his name was Paul de Villa, we met after a number of years. Uh, We hadn't seen each other and he took my number and we uh, went for a game of tennis. And after that, he told me he had become a Christian and he began to share the gospel with me. And as he shared the gospel with me, I was already going to church, but I was going to uh, two churches every Sunday, the Orthodox Church, like Ange from Orthodox, and also the Catholic Church. I thought I'd, you know, each bit. And I was religious. And so when Paul began to share with me about the love of Christ, dying for me on the cross, uh, paying for my sins, how he loved me, that was all beautiful. Uh, but as I said, by, by being myself being very religious, I was already, I thought I was already a Christian. I was a good person. I already believed in Jesus. So thank you, Paul. Uh, but when Paul said to me, but is Jesus the Lord of your life? Now that made me really think at that moment. And then he quoted me that passage. Unless you repent, you too will perish. Wow. I never heard that before. Nobody told me about repenting. Nobody told me that I needed to submit my life to Jesus as Lord. I thought I can just be a Christian and live my life. Well, I was so convicted by the Holy Spirit. And uh, especially by the words, unless you repent, you will perish. You'll go to hell. And it gripped me that my life is ticking like a time bomb. That if I died now, I would go to hell. And uh, so I realized through the conversation, through the passage, that I'm a sinner, I'm headed for hell. I'm a Christian by name only. Well, this led me, after I finished with Paul that night, went straight to my room. It was 10.30 in the evening. I straight away fell on my knees and I began to pray, not knowing fully how, except that I learned that I needed to ask forgiveness, I needed to repent. And so I began, Lord, I'm sorry, I, I, I am a Christian by name, you are not my Lord, and I do not want to perish. I thought I was yours, but I asked you to forgive me, and I began to ask for forgiveness. And as I asked for whatever sins I remembered, I'd ask forgiveness, and then a few moments later, God would show me again another four or five sins, and, and ten minutes later, another four or five sins, and my life was like a, a you know, coming to memory, like, like a movie. Uh, God was showing me uh, all the places and things and how I have not lived under his lordship, how I was the lord of my own life. And I was, was weeping and crying how I have lived my life, Uh, with tears over my sin. And I just remembered saying, God, I vow to give you my life tonight and to live for you for the rest of my life. Please forgive me. I surrender to you. As I was praying, I strongly felt this, uh, this sense of sinfulness, but at the same time, God was cleansing me. 
and washing me. I was sensing a, a love I've never felt before. His presence was so real in the, my bedroom, in my room. And uh, just his love was like, you know, the waves that you see on the beach going back and forth, back and forth. Waves of love, waves of cleansing, waves of forgiveness. It was so real. It was, honestly, it was, it was tangible. It was so tangible. And uh, joy, one moment like I'm weeping, another moment I'm just rejoicing that I'm forgiven. I'm loved by God. The peace of God, his presence, sense of the filling of the Holy Spirit. Now that I understand, it was something in my, in my being, uh, like God was in my heart and uh, his love was overflowing. And I just thank God for that passage. That taught me that to follow Jesus, it means to not only believe in who he is and what he's done for me, but to actually repent, to turn from living in sin and turn to live for him. So not just say, I'm sorry for all my sins, but actually to turn. I don't want to live that way anymore. To, I want to live for you, Lord. I want to live under your lordship. And I believe that that kind of surrender and repentance uh, set me free uh, from owning my own life, from living the way I wanted to live. And I'm no longer was my own. And, and that caused me to encounter and experience God's love and forgiveness. And he became so real to me. I began to devour the Bible and read it like the very words of God. It was just an just my eyes were opened and my life was honestly transformed. I fell in love with Jesus. But what led me to him was the fear of perishing, the fear of hell. And I'm so thankful that I understood that, that truly I have sinned against him. He is a holy God and I was headed for hell uh, without his forgiveness, his salvation, what he's done for me. And uh, to this day, I repent daily uh, Whenever need be, whether I'm aware of it or not, keep short accounts and stay, stay in that life of repentance and surrender to the Lord. And uh, what a powerful passage that has been to me. And as I share the gospel with others, I do call them about the love of God. But I also tell them that you need to turn. You need to repent. Otherwise, I don't see great changes in people. I see people who believe there's no transformation, there's no love for Jesus, there's no newness of life. And I believe the key is to truly surrender your life to his lordship. You're no longer the lord of your life, he is. And when he is lord, he'll fill you with his spirit and uh, cause you to be a new person. Well, that's the first passage. The second passage uh, is well known in uh, Matthew 22, uh, where Jesus gives this amazing call in verse 35 or 36. He says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. As I read this passage, it really 
revolutionized uh, my purpose, my goal, my direction in life. I found that this is what it means to follow Jesus. It is to love him, to love him, not religion, but him, the person, the fatherhood of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, to love him. And as I began to study what that means to the Jewish mindset, how, what does it mean for Jews to love God? I understood that this passage was about loving him above all, above my family, above my friends, my job, my hobbies, whatever I wanted to do, that, that I would actually value Jesus and love him more than my mum, my dad, my above all, and to come to that place of truly wanting to love him above all. I had to go through so many things that I had to put it into practice, that I had to put Jesus before my, my mum wanted or my dad wanted or my brothers wanted. I had to, I knew God was calling me at later stage and what does it mean to love God and to do what he wants? So as I reflected, not only did it mean that, but it also meant that if I really love God with all my heart, it means to enter into a personal relationship with God that where, where it is really real and you connect with God in a spiritual way, where, where, where he is your life, like where you talk with him, where you walk with him, where you include him in, in every area of your life. Like I couldn't leave him out in any area anymore. He wanted to come into every area. And so, walking, waking up and saying, good morning, Father. And, and, and when you're struggling, Dad, I'm struggling. When you're rejoicing, I'm, thank you, Father. When you're playing tennis, well, thank you. Like, it wasn't over, but it was including God in my life and loving him in whatever ways I could. And ah, oh, what a beautiful thing to enter into a relationship with God. It's not on Sunday or a Bible study, but morning, evening, at work, to just do life with Him and talk with Him and cry with Him and rejoice with Him. Loving God by having a relationship. Loving God, I realized also, for the Jews, it meant to, to, to actually read His Word, to hear His voice through His Word, and to put it into practice, to obey it. And Jesus said, if you love me, you'd obey my word, right? So loving God for me is like, do I really love God? And so it means, it means letting him speak to me through it. And it means me going, please, Father, help me to do what you just said. And to seek to obey it, to live it, means to love God. And What a challenge as a young man trying to navigate and, and, and work through things of life. But it was awesome. Loving God was about being committed to him at all times. Not just sometimes, but committed to him. Like in marriage, love is a commitment. And to love God is to be committed to him. In the sweet, in the sour, in the bad, in the good, when you feel him, when you don't. You're committed to him. It is to worship him. It is to serve him. And as I was trying to love him that way, he was changing me to have deep affections for him. He 
He really became and is the lover of my soul. And I grew in commitment to him. And I wanted to truly, as a result of, of that loving him, I, I began to have his heart for others. I wanted to love others as he has commanded, as myself. And, and honestly, people began, became different to me. I didn't see color. I didn't see race. I didn't see tall, skinny, rich. I just, just honestly, he filled me with love for people, for his people, but also for the lost. And I began to just really care about others and not so much be so absorbed, even though we're all absorbed with ourselves and we're still learning how to be less absorbed. But I was growing to love others like never before. And I'm so thankful that God allowed me uh, to do that and to, uh, to really uh, be able to care about their interest and uh, not to have any agenda, to, to, have their, to have the heart of God for people. So I want to encourage you to, to grow in loving God for who he is, to really develop a relationship with him that's real, and I think that is what will keep you. That's what will cause you to stand in tough times. It's that real relationship with God. When everything comes against you, when you have that relationship with God, that love, that you know he loves you, he loves you dearly. And he drowned me with his love. His love was ocean to me. It healed me. It set me free. It is the secret and the joy of my life. And I couldn't help but love him who first loved me and gave himself for me. And so I want to encourage you to meditate, reflect on those, uh, that passage and, and the other one and grow in that, meditate on that and, Lord, seek to live it out. And I think it has such a powerful way of saying, that's what my life is all about. My life is about loving him. My, my life is about loving others. And if I can do that, I, wow, I've achieved a lot in this life. I'll be happy. To go to eternity knowing, by the grace of God, I, I've sought to love my dad, my Lord, my Saviour. And I've sought to love others and tell them about him and love them. The third passage is found in, it's take up your cross and follow me. And that really hit me. These passages just you know, really cut me to the heart and, and, and transformed me. Uh, Mark 8, 34, 38. And uh, then he called the, the, the crowd to him along with the disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up the cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. I tell you, these passages were like Jesus speaking to me directly, but also to every believer. But I took it so personal. And I think that's how we should do it. We should take it personal. Jesus says, Millard, if you desire to be my disciple, I need you to deny yourself. I need you to take up the cross that is die. Die to who you want to be. Die to what you want. Die to where you want to go. Die to high how you, you speak and what you do with your money, your time, your energy. And follow me. Like, follow me. 
again, that following of him as a person, as a saviour, as a Lord, following him in his footsteps. And, you know, just asking God, Lord, how do I deny myself when it comes to what job? How do I die to myself when, you know, as a new Christian, I had a girlfriend, she's not a Christian. And for me, it meant saying no. It means breaking it up. Uh, when my friends, who were all non-Christians, wanted to go somewhere where it wasn't right, say, guys, I'm sorry, I can't go. Um, when family members are trying to uh, draw you from going to church and, and living this kind of faith and putting pressure on you, even physical pressures, how will you deny yourself? How will you take up the cross? Will I keep following him? And there were really tough choices that I had to take that the grace of God enabled me that when Jesus calls us to do something, it's not our muscles or our strength. or It's his grace and his power in us enables us to do amazing things. And just daily, weekly, learning to deny myself and, and, and die to, to those things that I grew up with, cultural things and you know, we're all full of things, as you know. And then to, to actually keep following him no matter what. To follow him when you, when you lose uh, two brothers uh, to sudden deaths and, and, and not counted against God. And when, when you really face hard and difficult situations that just cut you. And to say, I'll keep following you. And uh, Paul sheds some light on, on this passage. In Galatians 2.20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul was putting this into practice. Deny himself, take up the cross, follow Jesus. It's about crucified. And it's not. Who wants to be crucified? Our flesh wants to live. But God, Jesus calls us to be crucified to the world. Crucified to the thinking of this world, to the ways of this world, to the desires and pleasures and sinful ways of this world. And to let Christ live through us who loved us and gave himself for us. Jesus goes on to say in verse 36, Mark 8, What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? What can anyone give in exchange for their soul? I mean, how powerful. Look, really? You can gain the whole world, but you know what? If you lose your soul, your eternity your faith in Jesus Christ, if you don't have faith and trust and true following of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have lost everything. Nothing matters. Nothing will count. It will mean nothing. You'll be the biggest loser for all eternity. And I said, no way. I want to gain you, Lord, and lose everything if need be. And then he goes on to say, what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me 
and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, as I went to work, as I had to face friends, face family, am I going to be ashamed of him and his words? Or will I stand up for him? 19 years of age, you're still nothing in the family, everybody's older than me. Uh, friends, everyone. Uh, in a Lebanese circle where everybody has an opinion and very strong. What are you going to do? Are you going to be ashamed of him when they ask you, what did you do on Sunday? And Are you going to share Jesus? Are you going to talk about him? Are you going to be ashamed of him or are you going to stand up? And I tell you, honestly, the grace of God again, when you seek to please him, he'll help you not to be ashamed of him or his words, whether at work or home or friends or anywhere. God gave me a boldness that I never thought I would have. And I'm so grateful that when you seek to honor him, he empowers you and he gives you an amazing courage to not be ashamed of him or his words. How can be, I can be ashamed of him who was not ashamed to do the most shameful thing on that cross for me? I want to be ashamed of him in front of people who are full of shame, sinful, adulterous people like me. I'm not going to be ashamed of my Savior as long as I can. And yes, I have failed him. And I have not always. I've missed opportunities. But this passage kept on teaching me to stand up and to declare him and to witness for him. And never be ashamed of him. And I'm so thankful that I've been able, most of the times, to be proud of my Savior more than anything else. What does it look like for you to deny yourself? What does it look for you to really die to yourself, to not be ashamed of Jesus and his words? Will you... Will you trust him? Will you say, yes, Lord, I want to seek to follow you. If it means denying myself, dying to myself and losing my friends and people misunderstanding me and facing this culture that is so strong, this social media that seeks to seduce and lead us from the one who is perfect. Uh, will we stand up? for what we believe in according to his word? Or will we cower? Will we keep compromising? Uh, will we keep going backwards and retreating? Or will we stand our ground and remember those who have gone before us, how they stood, how they were burnt, how they were crucified, how they were cut in pieces, stood for Jesus? We're not called to be cut and crucified, but... We don't face that here, but you know what? We still need to face those things that cause us to deny our Lord. May we stand up to that. May we be strong in him. Number four, I'm going to be quickly doing this. Preach the gospel. You know, the great commandment, Matthew 28, 
Jesus came and said, All authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Preach the gospel, baptize them, make them disciples. This was a, another big commandment to me from the Lord. And I believe it is to every believer. And as I read it and reflected on it, as if Jesus was saying, Son, that's what I want you to do. I, I, I want you to share the gospel. I want you to tell people about me. And it really was like a direct command from God to me. It's another one of those, those, those passages that shaped me, put me on this course of, I can't not share the gospel with people. I can't not tell others about Jesus. I dare not live an empty life without the purpose of sharing about Jesus with others. Seeking to make disciples, seeking to influence people for Christ. And it's consumed me all these years and to this day I, nothing more uh, that I desire than to see people come to know Christ. And so um, another passage with it that, that really helped me to, to be able to be a witness is in Acts 1.8 where Jesus said, but you will wait and you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witness in, in, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth. Friends, as I waited before God in prayer and read his word, because I thought that's what they did. And I spent time with God saying, Lord, fill me with your spirit, Lord. Lord, I, I, I just pour over your word. I just re repent of any sin, surrender where I should. And as I would do that and spend time with God, would fill me with his spirit and his love and his strength. And, and as I went out, God would give me discernment and clarity, who to speak to, how to speak. You know, he'd give you the words even though you didn't have it all together. He'd embolden you where you normally would be not that courageous. And so I, I realized that in trying to fulfill uh, this, this word, of, this command of, of Christ to, to, to share the gospel with friends, with family, with people, workers, you name it, uh, that the Holy Spirit actually uh, comes to fill us and empower us. As we just spend time with God and, and surrender and yield, he will give us the ability the words in ourselves we can't, but he can enable us. But we need to spend time with him and ask him to fill us, and he will. And I'm so thankful that he's allowed me to share with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people and see amazing conversions, amazing transformations. And, and I believe it's not just for people like me. Sure, we're gifted differently, but, but the Holy Spirit can work in any one of us as we yield ourselves to him and let him fill us. The last verse I share with you is from Acts 20, 24. Another one of those verses that is engraved and changed me. It says this, as Paul was uh, saying goodbye to these leaders of his in Ephesus. He says, you know, even though persecution and imprisonment is waiting for me in Jerusalem, he says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race, complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. You know that passage, it brings really, honestly, it, it brings tears to my eyes because I see a Paul, an example of an amazing apostle. Um, it really shaped me. It really um, 
caused me to look up to, to someone who followed Jesus. He says, I don't count my life dear to me. It's not that his life wasn't valuable. But he said, in comparison to, to, to following Jesus Christ, to, to serving him, my life is not that important. What's more important is following Jesus. And he's helping others to follow him. It's living for him. It's honoring him. It's putting him first. And that's why in Philippians he says, I count all things lost. I count things rubbish to gain Christ. I thought, God, help me not to value anything more than you. Help me not to count my life more important, like my hobbies and, and, and my pursuits and my pleasure and Whatever, look, help me not to count them that important. Like, you might have a, two things happening. Uh, an opportunity to share with someone who's not a believer or an opportunity to play golf or soccer or football. It might not always happen, but would you choose? Which one would you choose? Paul says, oh, I'll choose that any time. I choose serving Christ any time above the others. doesn't mean we, we don't do the others, but it's that heart. It's that way of living and thinking we, I'm crucified with Christ. And he says, my one aim is to finish that race. He started that race a long time ago when he was converted and he kept on going. He kept on love, loving Christ, following Christ, preaching Christ. And now he's at the later stage of his life and he said, you know what? It's still my one aim, not to count my life anything, but to tell others about him to finish, to continue, and to complete, and to fulfill the aim of telling others about him, testifying to him, living for him, being salt, being light. What can I tell you? There is no, honestly, there is no greater adventure than truly surrendering to Christ. The worst is to be here and to be here. And you're sort of, you're neither here, you're neither there. I want to tell you, I want to encourage you to give it all to Christ, to surrender your life. I was 19. I want to tell you, whatever age you are, give it all to him. He's worthy of your life. He's worthy of your time. He's worthy of your talent. He's worthy. Believe you me. And whatever you give him, he, he gives you back a hundredfold in different ways. And there's no greater reward. There's no greater privilege than to live for Christ than to serve him, than to really share with him. And the impact that you can make is unbelievable. And God would love to use each one of you to be him wherever you are. And he'd love to love you and encounter you and help you to know him in such a way that he is your fulfillment and your security, your joy, your peace. Because anywhere else is vanity of vanity. And so I want to encourage you tonight to really seek, put him first, repent for some of you so that you might not perish. For others, don't count your life dear. Give it all to him. Let's pray. For some of you who maybe have never really repented truly, and surrendered to Christ as your Lord. You've come to church, you believe in him. But maybe the Holy Spirit is telling you you need to repent tonight, truly. And surrender your life to him. 
Can, can I ask you tonight, if, if God is really um, tugging at your heart, speaking to you, don't ignore that right now. Would you just, just, just in your heart say, Lord Jesus, pray this. Forgive me for all my sins. I turn to you as my Lord. I surrender my life to you. Make me your son. Make me your daughter. Many of us, can I encourage you tonight to say, Lord, help me to love you with all my being. Help me to take up that cross, die to myself and live for you. Help me to not count my life dear to me. That I might continue to testify and live for you. Thank you, Lord. Praise and glory be to you. Capture us. Encounter us, God. Change us, Lord, to live for you completely by your grace and your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.